18 moments, embracing the suck of life and career to reach your finish line with your host, Craig Petris. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Mile 18 Moments podcast, where we learn to embrace the suck of life and career to reach our finish lines. I'm your host, Craig Petrus, founder and chief inspiration officer for Mile 18 Moments. I am really excited to introduce our latest guest on Mile 18 Moments, a very proud Jersey girl who has been living in South Carolina for the past 20 plus years. Someone who uh, is really describes herself as a mess, but has really overcome quite a bit during her time on this earth. And someone who has, uh, has and, con- and continues to inspire so many individuals through her journey uh, towards weight loss. Uh, Andrea Matheny, welcome to Mile 18 Moments Podcast. Hello, Craig. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm, I'm excited to have you on Mile 18 Moments and excited to share your journey with, uh, with, uh, with our audience and our community. Uh, and really in getting to know uh, you better over the past couple of weeks and learning uh, more about your background, and you certainly do have a lot uh, to unpack as it relates to uh, your life's journey so far. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, can you take us uh, through uh, your background a little bit? Who is Andrea Matheny? Oh, boy. Is this just the first part of the podcast? <laughs> right. All right, let's exactly. see. Um, so I'm a Jersey girl. I met from the Jersey Shore. And um, I have moved to South Carolina when I was 19 years old. So I graduated high school in New Jersey, and I went to a year of community college, which, you know, I really didn't want to do because I was not a good student, uh, graduated high school by the skin of my teeth, did not want to go to college, but that's just what you do. You get out of high school and you go to community college if you don't know what you're going to do. So I did that for a year. And then my sister Lorraine was living in South Carolina, newly out of the Air Force. So she invited me to come to South Carolina, which honestly was wonderful because I had a huge crush on my brother-in-law's brother. (laughs) So that worked out well for me. There you go. Well, guess Mm -hmm. what? Sisters wound up marrying brothers and Chad and I are happily married for 23 years and have two sons, 22, Alex is 22 and Landon is 18. That's awesome. So sisters did marry brothers and it's been great. And I've been here ever since building a family and having a good time. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very unique. Very unique that the sisters married the brothers. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, thanks for that intro. And it certainly gives us a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, dialogue and background into who you are. And uh, we'll dive into a little bit more about that uh, in a bit. Uh, But as a quick reminder, if you're catching Mile 18 Moments for the first time, I wanted to kind of tell you a little bit about, again, the concept of Mile 18 Moments is really most commonly known to marathon runners and triathletes where, you know, one come to that point in, in a marathon, you know, really Mile 18 to be exact, you know, where your physical meets your mental. Uh, your body hurts, your mind is telling you to quit, but you still have a lot more miles to go, really 8.2 to be exact. It's literally what I describe the suck part of the race. Uh, again, where you're mentally and physically exhausted and don't know if you can continue. You know, with that concept and for me in my life and you know, what I've been reading, uh, writing about in my book and, and what I hope to accomplish through this podcast with guests uh, such as you, Andrea, uh, is to help people recognize their own mile 18 moments in their life and really provide inspiration and strategies and concepts to, to overcome these sucky moments in their life to ultimately reach uh, their finish lines. You know, so Andrea, you know, that's, you know, you, you described your, um, yourself, uh, you know, as a self-proclaimed mess, as you had described to me. And, and uh, as I got to know you more uh, about you over the past couple of weeks and who you are and what you do and the many, many challenges that you've had to overcome in your life, uh, you know, along with being the super awesome human you are. You know, one thing I've noticed about you and, and what inspires me about you the most is that despite the numerous times you've faced your own mile 18 moments, you know, you've kept coming back over and over and over again. And it's truly awesome. And, and everything uh, that this concept of mile 18 moments is all about, uh, you know, one's ability to, to overcome the suck of life over and over again. So with that, you know, tell us, you know, what keeps you focused on reaching your, your, your finish lines of life and, and not getting that, that you know, let, not letting the suck get, you know, stop you and, 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 and during any particular part of your journey? 
You know, when when um, when we were first introduced and I listened to the first episode of your podcast, mm-hmm. when you described mile 18 moments, you know, I've sat with this for a while, mm-hmm. you know, like, because you think, how do you do it? You know, how what's the how do I stay positive? And, you know, a lot of people will say, how do you do it? And honestly, my answer is, you know, I was not given a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you're put at these in these things in these mile 18 moments were put there. And we're not given a choice for these moments. And the one I think about, of course, most recently is my sister going through cancer, being her care- caregiver for the, and this is my sister Lorraine. We married brothers, my absolute, um, we were very close. And going through her cancer journey for the last 15 months of her life, we weren't, we, we weren't given a choice, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. then after this happens, when I say that mess, right? Okay. so. I'm going to explain that. Like, this is a mess. This is an absolute insane mess. And I've had Mm -hmm. many. I envision, this is what I envision, Craig. This is kind of crazy. But I envision a humongous knot of Christmas lights. You ever see Christmas Vacation when Clark turns around and gives Russ the big (laughs) knot of it? And he looks at the block and he's like, little knot here. (laughs) Well, I envision that. And so when you have that knot of Christmas lights, you have to sit with it. You have to unravel the knot. The gigantic knot, or it could be a smaller knot, could take you hours, could take you days, could take you months, could take you years. But you sit with it and you unravel it. And then when you unravel it, you shine, you let it shine. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think about. It's like, are we going to let it shine? Are we just going to let the knot just sit there in the yard or back in the bin and put it back, you know, in the in the storage unit for another year? Mm -hmm. Or are we really going to sit with it and work on it and untangle it? And that's what I think about when I'm when I'm a mess. And then I think about I don't want to put it back in storage. Mm-hmm. I want to work at it. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is the small ones, you know, when you get when you're a teenager and then maybe your young adult life. I think we realize when we sit sit back when we think back to those moments, those moments make us strong, a little bit stronger, mm-hmm. a little bit better of a listener, a little bit more caring. And we learn that if we sit with this knot, with this mess, and we work through it, we will get better. We will be another person on the other side versus mm-hmm. just sitting in the entanglement in the mess. So I just decide mm-hmm. I'd much rather work through <clears throat> it, you know? And then I'm not positive all the time, mm-hmm. but I think that's my positive approach. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and a couple things for me come to mind is this, uh, this idea of, you know, a social media post that I, I just posted recently, you know, it's redefining that which is difficult, right? You have that Christmas light, you know, mess in front of you. Uh, it looks difficult, looks daunting, but you had the courage to, to untangle it and, and unpack it and, and uh, again, get to that light where it shines. So, so again, great analogy. And certainly, you know, we're all faced with those Christmas knots of uh, Christmas lights of knots in, in our life. And we just got to have the courage to unpack. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, you had no choice. And, and I think you're, you know, you're right there. The fact that, you know, you may not have seen it at the time, um, but, or you may not have seen it at the time or noticed it at the time, but, you know, every time that you unpack those lights or undid the knot in your lights, you know, regardless of how challenging they were, you really em- emerged stronger, didn't you, right? So you emerged stronger from from each of those uh, opportunities. Um, is that fair to say that, you know, every time you unpacked, you you you, um, you became stronger and stronger each time? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the, light, the light gets brighter and brighter. The light mm-hmm. gets brighter and brighter. And you learn, you learn more about yourself. Um, and you know what too, though, it's also the people in your lives. I have an amazing mm-hmm. husband, amazing children. Um, family, friends. And I think having those people that you can be real with truly Mm -hmm. counts too, where Mm -hmm. they allow you to sit and be messy. Mm -hmm. You know, the friends that don't have judgment and the friends that are put in your path for a reason. Um, But you're right. It's just, it's, you get a little bit more stronger and your outlook changes. And I think as we go, we, we learn through our mile 18 moments, what truly matters. Mm -hmm. And as we go through our mile 18 moments, we also, I think, learn to remove toxicity. We Mm -hmm. learn like, I don't have to do this. I'm not, I don't have to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. I don't have to live this way. And that's the part that I absolutely love Mm -hmm. is the, 
just because everybody's going this way doesn't mean I have to. You know, just because everybody's going in a straight line, I can zigzag any which mm -hmm. way I want. And having that ownership really drives me and mm -hmm. keeps me positive. I love that ownership of I do not have to be this this society expectation. I could mm -hmm. do what I want to do. And that's what I love to talk about, too. Um, you know, that we can find our own passions and ignite them. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. And and it's a, it's something that I talk about and, and write about too. It's really, you know, embracing our awkward, right? Um, you know, I, I um, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I'm a bit of, uh, of an awkward dude myself, but I'm feel very comfortable in my skin. And, and regardless of who reacts to what I do or how I do it, um, I'm fine with it because I'm being you know, the authentic Craig Petrus and you're being the authentic, um, Andrea Matheny. Right. And, 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 and that's what this life is all about is just being authentic. And certainly want to touch base on something that you said earlier too, is about surrounding yourself with people, the right people. Right. Um, there's certainly, you know, um, you know, there's another, um, you know, chapter in my book, I, I talk about surrounding yourself with the right people versus the wrong people. And in, 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 in professional athletes, you know, um, you never, want to be considered what they call a jock sniffer of, of, you know, you know, you know, going up to these athletes and, and, uh, you know, being that type of guy or, or person, but, but on, on the flip side of mile 18, you do want to, to pony up to individuals that, like you said, um, are, are, you know, support you in doing anything that you want to do, your husband, your friends, your family. And I think that goes into really the next question I want to talk to you a little bit about and learning more about you um, and, and, and the tribe that you have uh, surrounded uh, with you, you know, you, um, the the organization Weight Watchers, right? Uh, you're you're surrounding yourself with individuals that um, that are are going through the journey themselves, and and you've gone through the journey, and and certainly continue to go that uh, that that um, weight loss journey too as well. But you're surrounding yourself with people that can be insp inspirational to you, giving you the opportunity to inspire others and, and towards their weight loss. So talk to us a little bit about your journey with Weight Watchers and how you came to uh, to go with that organization organization, but also be a leader within that organization in terms of, of what you do on a weekly basis of inspiring other people. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such my passion. Um, I've always known about Weight Watchers because of my mother. My mother and all her, you know, all the neighbors would get together and go to their Weight Watcher meeting. And that's how they would take, you know, the 20 pounds off. And, you know, it was always a thing. It's always been a part of my life. There was always Weight Watcher things around and my mom of oh, the books and seeing her journal. Mm -hmm. um, but when I moved here at 19, I truly didn't know anything about calories. I even though I grew up with my mother being a part of Weight Watchers, my mom did it all. My mom fed us, so mm -hmm. I never had to think about it. So coming here and then um, being with my husband and getting married, I put on a significant amount of weight as soon as I moved to South Carolina because we had an apartment and I didn't know he was working second shift and I was just eating pasta. You know, I'm thinking that's just... Mm. So then we had children. And when my youngest was six months old, Landon, he's 18 now, I was, I noticed like, this is not, I don't feel good. You know, mm -hmm. my body hurts. So Weight Watchers was just the only new way I knew how to lose weight. Mm -hmm. But what happened was I joined um, 18 years ago and Weight Watchers taught me how to properly fuel my body. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, I was after a number on the scale. Mm -hmm. So I joined at 250 pounds and that BMI chart said I must be at least 174 pounds. Mm -hmm. That's what at 510 as a female, that's what I have to be. Wow. So mm -hmm. I dropped 80 pounds in a year mm -hmm. because wow. that's just what I had to do. Yeah. And then I stopped going. But then year, things happened. Life happened. Life mm -hmm. happened. When I went back to Weight Watchers, I honestly don't remember the year. I not only gained the 80 back, I gained an extra 10. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So here I am mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm like, all right, let's do this. I want to be healthy. But that time around, I'm so happy for the second time mm -hmm. because I lost weight. I lost 65 pounds in a year. I'm in a different mm -hmm. place. I feel more confident. I'm not, I'm doing this a little bit healthier. Mm -hmm. But when I got down to 205 pounds, I started questioning 
everything about that number because I was so happy in my skin. Right. Like mm-hmm. truly looked at myself and mm-hmm. love my body. Mm-hmm. And so I started questioning all this. Like, what is with this? Why do I have to be this? Well, in this meantime, Weight Watchers is going away from the BMI chart. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a chart. Everybody's got a chart. You know, some mm-hmm. people are low, some people are high, some people are above it, under it. It's fine. There's a chart. Yeah. But what Weight Watchers did for me is Weight Watchers accepted me for who I am. Yep. When mm-hmm. society is not accepting me. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I have a two as the first number on the scale. So I went to my doctor and my doctor said, Andrea, 200 pounds is wonderful for you. Your numbers are great. Your cholesterol, you are fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. all the things. And I got, I could be 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that became this thing of me asking questions. What is with women not being okay with a two as the mm-hmm. first number on the scale mm-hmm. if they're healthy? So they even came up with a a name for it, Craig, and Weight Watchers. It's called Wonderland. So Mm -hmm. me being me, I'm like, so you mean to tell me if I'm 199.8 pounds, then Mm -hmm. that means I'm worth it? Right. So I just started fighting against it. And Mm -hmm. I started Mm -hmm. owning it and saying, I love myself. I love my body. And you know what? You can Mm -hmm. take another woman that's that's 5'10", put Mm -hmm. her right next to me that's 45 years old, and her healthy weight is 160. Right. But that's not mine, and mm-hmm. that then my weight is not hers. Exactly. Let's be individuals here, and it just ignited this passion inside of me, and that's when I applied for the company. Mm-hmm. And and when it comes to working for the company, the Weight Watchers allows everybody to be individual, mm-hmm. and that's what I love, and that's my passion. Mm-hmm. So when it came to it, it's I like to talk about how. There's, we've been taught this, so we're relearning. Mm -hmm. We've been taught that a look is a number on the scale. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got to get to 135. That's a Mm -hmm. number, you know, that's the look. When that's not a look, we've been taught wrong. A look is muscular, toned, curvy. That's a look. (laughs) So when you get to the, however you want to be muscular or toned or curvy or whatever, then look at the weight. Mm -hmm. Don't go to a weight and then look. So I feel like I got to that place of, I love the way I feel. I feel mm-hmm. strong. I feel good. I, I'm curvy. Then I looked at the scale. Right. And that's what it's kind of become. And these mm-hmm. workshops lead men and women to figure out what's healthy for them. Right, right. And that's what we spend time talking about in the workshops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the scale is very traumatic. We have a lot of trauma, traumatic stories mm-hmm. when it comes to the scale growing up, you know. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. We all pretty much do. I remember being lined up in the gym, you know, mm-hmm. and the w- girls on one side, boys on the other, and they had to do your height and your weight, and you're like, right. oh, my gosh, and you're terrified. Right. And, you know, there's all this trauma to it when um, there doesn't have to be. Right. Yeah. It's interesting, like, uh, you know, some people looking from the outside looking in Weight Watchers, okay, it's losing weight. It's, you know, you know, you know, these, these techniques of, of eating healthy, etc. But I, you know, it's interesting. I think it's all of that, but much, much more like, like, like you just described, it's, it's those ancillary conversations. It's those ancillary relationships that you build with people. It's, it's that, that help them understand, yeah, just take care of your body, eat right. But, you know, part of it is mindset, right? Like, like you, you talked a little bit about how you interpret this weight loss, how you interpret the scale, uh, and, and how you, at the end of the day, if I'm a, you know, a, a certain weight and I feel good about myself and I'm taking care of myself, that's all that matters at the end of the day, right? And, yes. and so it's a, it's a huge thing about mindset. And so, you know, thinking about mindset, you know, uh, you know, I think I, I really have a really good idea of, of mindset when it comes to, to to Weight Watchers and and um and and what you've done with with your weight loss. But how have you transitioned or translated your mindset into other areas of your life uh, with family or uh, other you know mile eighteen moments that you've had to overcome? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I look at. It's so funny because mindset is one of the pillars of WW. You know, we have four pillars. It's mindset, food, activity, and sleep. Perfect. And Mm -hmm. mindset is the one that you see everybody, everybody change. Mm -hmm. They just, they change the way they feel, the way they look towards food. And, you know, when I think about mindset, I'm like, it's a set of attitudes. Mm -hmm. So for me, the one thing that mindset really has done for me is help me pause. And I learned that through Weight Watchers Mm -hmm. is pause. 
in that moment of pause, whether it comes to food, if I want to make the conscious decision to eat this, if I want to make the conscious decision on how do I want to react, am I going to react with kindness? Am I going to lose my temper? So mm -hmm. mindset really has taught me to pause, sit with it, mm -hmm. think about it. Mm -hmm. And that really has helped me with the with the grief with grieving my sister, mm -hmm. and then also with my sobriety. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it it it's like the the key piece to everything. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the key piece of everything because my attitude is not always great. I get mm -hmm. angry that my sister's not here. Then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, I get grateful that I had her. You know. Yeah. But I think in all those moments of pausing and really listening to me mm -hmm. and. It, stay in the headspace, allow myself to feel. That has helped me in every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Allow myself to feel. We're so, we're taught to not feel, you know, mm -hmm. or we're taught to, you, oh, you failed, at, Craig, you had a bad day, let's go for ice cream. You know, right. the right. kid falls down, let's get a cookie. You mm -hmm. know, with the doctor, they give us a lollipop after we get our vaccinations. Right. You know, we're taught to, mm -hmm. to here's food mm -hmm. and it'll make you better. Right. And then a lot of us have to relearn that that's not the way it is, that actually mm -hmm. our feelings, we can feel them because mm -hmm. they're ours and they're not bad. Being angry, being anxious, being nervous, they're not bad. And we're mm -hmm. taught that there's good and bad feelings and the bad ones we should shove down. Right, right. And mm -hmm. I feel like when we focus on our mindset, we're allowed to sit with our feelings mm -hmm. and really feel them. Right. And what are we going to do from here? Right. Yeah, it's oh, so good. Yeah, and and it's interesting, right? Like, what are we going to do with those feelings? And I think that as as life goes on, um, you know, as we learn and as we get a little bit older, you know, it's this uh, it's this concept that I talk about in my book a lot is is uh, you know getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? And and so, you know, it's this concept. You know, if you can certainly if you've overcome those mile eighteen moments in your life over and over again, not only are you going to um, you know, you know, get used to, to that suck and, 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 and your ability to get over it, but you're also going to have proof that you do absolutely have the ability to, to get over it. Right. And so, yes, you'll have that bad day. Your mindset might be a little bit challenging one day, but look back at all of those moments in time that you've overcome those challenging moments to get there. And, that's almost, you know, courage enough and confidence enough to get over uh, those mile 18 moments. Why? Because you've done it before, uh, which, yeah. which is, which is pretty awesome. And, and, you know, again, like when you think about your sister passing away and your sobriety and other challenges, you have kind of proof, uh, you've proved to yourself that you can, you know, continue to go on and, and, and um, be courageous in this life and overcome those moments and still be happy with yourself. Right. And, yes. and, and with what's going on. So yeah, absolutely. No. That's good. You know, in, in speaking with you again um, recently, you described yourself as, as a bit of an outcast uh, within within your family, and you know, having myself grown up with uh, with uh, well, well, for you, two sisters that seemed perfect to you, and 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 really could do no wrong. And you know, looking back at my life and, and me growing up as the youngest of seven children, I can kind of sort of relate to this in a bit. You know, um, looking back at my family, I've a had a successful lawyer, a rocket scientist a few healthcare and automobile and sales executives in my family. And, you know, growing up in this life, you know, I felt I kind of wanted to be different. I wanted to do my own path. I wanted to, you know, be the rock star uh, in my life and, and you know, kind of not be that normal person and, and um, in, in my life. And so, you know, um, it's something that I write about too, is, you know, is embracing your awkward. And I know I mentioned it earlier, but, you know, tell us about your journey through embracing your awkward and, and, you know, you know, what, what, what were your experiences of, of, you know, wanting to kind of be a little bit different and, and, and were that outcast, if you will. Yeah. There's, there's this one defining moment and we, you know, and mm -hmm. I remember when you and I talked about this and that brought, I, I forgot about it. Um, there was this one moment when I was in high school and I was a freshman and the track coach was my history teacher. And he mm -hmm. wanted me to, because I'm 5'10", there's only one other girl, my, a friend of mine who's six feet tall, but I'm just, I'm a bigger person, you know? And um, the big shoe, bigger bigger person. And I, I remember him asking me to come to the track, ask me to join the track team. And I didn't want to join. He said, okay, mm -hmm. well, I just, I really want you to um, participate in shot put. And I guess maybe he was judging just the size of me, not sure. Mm -hmm. 
So I said, okay, fine. So after school, I remember I went and the girl that was, um, that was throwing the farthest helped me and uh, showed me how to do it. And when I threw it, I threw it the same distance as her. Mm. <laughs> right. So first time out, first time out. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I still didn't want to be on the track team. Yeah. I had no desire. I had no mm -hmm. desire to throw this ball. Like that's mm -hmm. just me. I had no, no. So then that week, one of the coaches was passing me in the hallway and said, you are nothing like your sisters. Mm. And you know what? All I can think about is, am I supposed to be? Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my sister Jennifer is uh, field hockey, dance, um, honor roll. My sister Lorraine, softball, honor roll. And me, total straight D student and mm -hmm. wanted to be in the, I wanted to be in the marching band. Yep. And, but it had me question, like, why would you even say that? Mm -hmm. And it made me think, am I supposed to be like them? Right. And, you know, as a, what, 14 year old, I, I, it just confused me. So mm -hmm. then my family would always, because I'm a bigger person, it's like they made an excuse and they called me big boned. Mm. And so it felt like in my little young mind that I was being compared mm -hmm. to the better sisters. I don't feel that's what they were doing. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. But right. to me, it felt that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So with me, I'm a, I'm a, I love humor. So I would always joke that in my, you know, my mom would have her high school uh, cap and gown pictures and my sister had fan, my sisters had the fancy scarves on, you know, mm -hmm. the honor roll scarves. So I would say, oh, they stopped making those when I graduated high school. You know, I would joke <laughs> around, right. but there was this comparison. So when that happened, I just want, I wanted to be, I wanted to be the, I want to be, play the, the, the fly my freak flag and the mm -hmm. outcast. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to be Andrea. And that is awkward because I felt awkward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt awkward. And right. I, it, back to that mile 18 moment, mm -hmm. am I going to try to conform to what mm -hmm. I feel like everybody's doing? Or am I going to embrace this and go this direction and, and embrace the mile 18 moment? Right. And I, I chose to embrace it. And mm -hmm. I, it's just, I don't think anybody meant harm, but wow, you mm -hmm. know, it, it stung because it, yeah. but I'm, it made me ask, like, am I supposed to be right. like my sisters because they're my sisters? Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be like my sisters. I mm -hmm. love them. Mm -hmm. I, my gosh, they're amazing humans, but they're not, they're not me and I'm not them. Right, right. Yep. And I had to just sit there and that senior year, my senior year of high school, when I really, because then freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, I just felt weird. I was trying to, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't have, I just didn't love everything about myself. My senior year is when I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace this awkward. Mm -hmm. And I got a good group of friends and that's when the grunge era was going on. Right. And I used the fashion and the Bon Jovi ripped jeans and I expressed there myself with fashion and that's when I feel like I really became, I feel like I knew, I met, mm. I met Andrea. I right, met right. the real Andrea that senior year. Yeah. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool. And that's awesome. And, and, and something that you and I talked about, um, you know, over the past couple of weeks is, is you did it for Andrea, right? Like, like uh, you're, you know, you, you had mentioned uh, going through your sobriety and, and going through your weight loss and, and, you know, you know, managing the, the challenges around your, your sister's death. And, and you made some comments to me that really kind of struck me. And, and that I think is, is really core to um, us being just humans. You wanted to be happy, and so you did it for yourself, right? Like, like you wanted to, you, you know. And it's not being selfish. It's more of like, okay, I'm going to do what the things that I want to, I need to do to do be happy. And 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 at the end of the day, that's important. We all want to be happy, but you didn't really care about. I don't necessarily care, but you, you didn't really listen to all the noise around you. You finally, at, at that one point in your life, you did it for, for you. And, you know, is, is, is that fair to say that, that you know, you, you turned that point and said, you know, this is my time to be Andrea and, and, and I'm going to do it for me? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Craig. Because yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that I learned with grieving my sister is, you know, she would tell me that, be yourself, you got to be you, be authentically mm -hmm. you. And... I re we had some of the most wonderful conversations when she was going through chemotherapy and mm -hmm. it really just, I just thought, you know, I've, there's no other way to be. It was like a light bulb moment back to that untangling mm -hmm. the Christmas lights. Like, let me sit with this. And mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, it's something too, that we have to know, isn't it a shame that sometimes we feel putting ourselves first is selfish when it's not. 
mm-hmm. putting ourselves first, I feel like everybody else around us gets the benefits, right? You know, when we're, when we're doing, and with that being said though, it is hard because you lose friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you remove toxicity, um, Mm -hmm. especially with sobriety. I mean, Mm -hmm. life changes, but then other people are put in your life. Yeah. And that is what's incredible. Like you may, it amazes me thinking back to all these people that have been put in my life. Not a lot. Mm Mm-hmm but people that have been put in my life that I feel like I've known forever right? after my sister passed away. Some have mm-hmm. gone away, but then others have come in and it's been incredible. Right. Right. It's been incredible. I mean, look at how I look at, look at how we just were put on each other's path. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just so neat when we allow ourselves, when we take care of ourselves and allow mm-hmm. the, to get through those mile 18 moments and we allow ourselves to get on the other side, all the amazing things that'll happen. And that's mm-hmm. what I just want people to know. It's like you right. just got to allow yourself to get through it. Mm-hmm. Not over it, not around it, but you got to allow yourself to get through it because it will be amazing. It yeah. will. Yeah. 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 And it's it's um it's it's awesome because, you know, um something that you said is, you know, sometimes people have to leave your life, you know, you have to get rid of some of that toxic toxic toxicity in your life. And, yep, yep. and um, you know, it's interesting I've heard a uh, heard a quote uh, recently. It's it's, you know, in order to find ourselves, we must first lose ourselves, right? And so we, you know, we must lose those things around us whether they're people or things or or, you know, challenges that we have have to overcome and we we, we lose those things in order to find out who we who we who we are and who we want to become. And, and I think that's, that's interesting. You know, it's a really, you know, big kind of quote to me is, is, you, you know, that's where my journey came from as, you know, I lost uh, some important people around me and, and, uh, you know, I was, I felt I was losing myself and that's what really turned me around to, to, to this whole mile 18 moment and, uh, you know, changing the trajectory of my life. And it's, you know, for me, it's like, uh, you know, it's overcoming, you know, really three things I think are important when we think about overcoming these mile 18 moments. It's, it's believe it's possible, uh, believe it's possible for you and then just begin. Uh, and I think looking back at you and, and what you've overcome, I think you started to believe it's possible. You started to believe in yourself and, and you just took that leap of faith over the starting line and, 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 and began. And, and, uh, and that's pretty awesome. So, yeah. um, yeah, definitely congratulate you on, on all of, all of, all of what you've overcome. Um, you know, one area that we talked about, um, in your life is, is, uh, your allyship for LGBTQ plus community. Uh, this is something that's, uh, very close to you and important to you. Can you talk to us a little bit about, uh, why that's important to you and why it's so close to you? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in New Jersey, it was never talked about. I had gay mm-hmm. friends. I had friends that had gay siblings. It was just never, never spoken about. But, um, when I came to South Carolina and that was 1996, mm-hmm. um, I had lots of friends that come, came into my life that are gay. Mm-hmm. And there was this, I've learned of this, um, this separation of churches and the LGBTQI plus community. Mm-hmm. And that led to me to go, what in the world is going on here? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I went to church for a short time in my childhood and, you know, everybody was pretty accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I questioned that. And mm-hmm. um, so it led to, I worked w- for a Presbyterian church for, uh, I went there, I mm-hmm. brought my kids there. And then I went, um, I w- wound up working there. And there was a, always conversation about the gay community, always. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what in the world? So I took it upon myself to really educate myself mm-hmm. and understand why is this community of people, not all, but a oh, wow, mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. so um, nasty to this mm-hmm. amazing group of people. Like, these are my friends. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. And it all came down to, you know, oh, this sin, that sin, blah, 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 you know, yada, yada. So mm-hmm. I just took it upon myself to really educate myself biblically and um, and went to other pastors and mentors that did not agree. And it just turned into me sticking up for that outcast in a way, if you want to say that. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you can say outcast or person because, you know, when you come here, the first thing that you're asked is what church do you go to? Mm. And there are a lot of preschools that are in churches and it's just they're everywhere. And then the Baptist denomination is very large here. 
And it just got to, there is no way that we can change this unless and I can help change it unless I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I just learned all about it. And I'm like, wow, they are wrong. They mm-hmm. are absolutely wrong. There is no sin here. There is no, um, there, there is just nothing here for them to have any stance on. Mm-hmm. So I wound up having great conversations. Um, when the Supreme Court ruled that uh, gay ma- same-sex marriage is allowed in all states. I became mm-hmm. ordained. I mm-hmm. went ahead and two of my very close friends that are couples, um, I officiated their weddings. Mm-hmm. And in that time, my oldest son came out to my husband and I, my oldest son, Alex, is transgender. So not only am I passionate about love is love and everybody mm-hmm. is able to love who they want and that is beyond any type of book that you read mm-hmm. but now my son now mm-hmm. it's personal right mm-hmm. but with that we've got to talk about it mm-hmm. and to talk about it i feel like i need to know a lot about it mm-hmm. so it has really been um it's really been awesome it's mm-hmm. really been awesome and you know, when you have conversations and you know there people are just not going to go past a certain point, it's because they truly don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can get anyone to accept anybody is by having these hard conversations. And I mm-hmm. love having hard conversations. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. And right. this is not, this is not, this is a human thing. This is not mm-hmm. a Christian thing or a Baptist thing. This is a human thing because mm-hmm. not everybody's a Christian. And if they're a Christian, not everybody's a Baptist, not everybody's Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. so what are you going to do about all the other people in the world? You know, we've right. got to talk about this. We've got to solve this. Mm-hmm. This is this is not OK. Right. And um, yeah, and I, I know too many kids, too many kids mm-hmm. that are that are shunned from their families. Right. And it's not it's just not OK. Yeah. So our our parents just have to know what they mm-hmm. just got to be. They just got to We just got to have the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And and so what you know with that what advice would you give to those parents that you know may may have a child that's transitioning um um how have you how did you deal with that how did you how did you um work through that um uh, you know what advice could you give other parents that that might be uh, going through that same thing right now mm-hmm. First step believe them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to understand it. Yeah. You do not have to know anything about it. Believe your kids. Mhm believe them because you know when my when my oldest when alex came out alex first came out as a lesbian i would say 15 i believe Mm -hmm. and then like okay all right well then when alex is like this is not what this is you know and really sat with that mile 18 moment and Mm -hmm. was like Mm -hmm. what's going on and then knew i'm not a lesbian i'm transgender this is Mm -hmm. how i felt my entire life you know and with your transgender you're born transgender you're born gay Mm -hmm. and um at first it scared me it scared me because i thought what's going to happen to my child Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i reacted in fear Mm -hmm. and i was just like i don't think you are no no Mm -hmm. no you know like because i was scared Right, right. And I'm thinking, here we are, you know, how does this affect anything in life? Mm-hmm. And then I just sat and I thought, no, mm-hmm. I believe Alex. Yeah. So that's my first thing to parents. Believe your kids. Mm-hmm. Everything else will happen. You know, wh- whatever is supposed to happen happens. You got to be your kid's advocate, but that can come in time. Mm-hmm. They need the kids need to know that they're safe, mm-hmm. that when they're coming to that one person that brought them into this earth, or adopted them or Mm -hmm. whatever, that they are safe. And when you don't believe them, it it really, and you know, when you Mm -hmm. think about it, so the thing is, Craig, is every time a child, whether they, whether they are gay, whatever, whatever they are, you know, whether they're queer, whether they're non-binary, transgender, Mm -hmm. it's talking about their sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult for anybody to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time they have to talk about it, they're talking about their sexuality and mm-hmm. that puts them in a very vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. So they need to feel safe. They've right. got to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And of all the people that they should feel safe with, it's their parent or any adult in their life, whether it's their grandparent or their aunt, or aunt or uncle, mm-hmm. whoever mm-hmm. it is. That's yeah. why um, our teachers are amazing. You know, right. but they, we got to believe the kids. <clears throat> we got to believe them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Awesome. I, I, um, I do want to circle back to, to one thing. I think that, um, it's something that is, is, um, a bit close to, to, to my family, my heart right now is, is your sobriety and, and dealing with alcoholism and, and how you overcome that. And, um, you know, what was, what was that, you know, I, I don't know if you can think back to that day or, or that day you woke up and said, you know what, I want to be sober. Um, um, you know, and what was that like? And, 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 or how did you get there? Um, and, and what are you doing to maintain your sobriety? Uh, it's, it's, I think one of the toughest things that this world uh, has to overcome as humans and, and, um, you know, um, you, you know, this disease that we're dealing with, uh, you know, love to get your advice on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. It's like this whole other, you know, thing. We're so, our, we're, it's like this, our society is so consumed by it. And mm-hmm. so for me, I never drank alcohol um, until I was about, let's see, I had my kids in my young 20s, right? So in about late 20s. Mm-hmm. I just never drank it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was when you're a mom and you get together with the other moms, mm-hmm. you drink wine. Right. Now it's hard. Now it's hard seltzers. Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. you create these games and these get-togethers and scrapbook things, and it's really for everybody to get together and drink wine. You know, right. <laughs> so that's when it started. Mm-hmm. And as it started, it was fine, mm-hmm. but then it became more and more and more mm-hmm. to the point where it just became five times a week. Mm-hmm. Well, I would have to say. When Lorraine got sick with that diagnosis, mm-hmm. I went to alcohol to help me, mm-hmm. yeah. to heal the pain, mm-hmm. to not deal with the pain, to cope with, oh, it's going to help me sleep. Mm-hmm. It'll take away my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I went to it as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And then that just created me drinking every single day. Right. And when, after she passed away, in this time, Lorraine, she even spoke to me about it. Because mm-hmm. every chemo night, I would spend the night with her mm-hmm. to help my brother-in-law and give him a break. Mm-hmm. And she said, I notice you're drinking a lot. I would bring right. a couple of bottle of wine, w- bottles of wine mm-hmm. over there and drink them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked a little bit about it, and then that went away. And then when she passed away, and then it just became this thing of mm-hmm. me not dealing with it and being angry and upset. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I tried to moderate like I do with food. Mm-hmm. You know, being a Weight Watcher coach, it's like, okay, this has points. Let's go ahead. I'll allow these this amount of points for wine. Right, right. I'll only drink on the weekends. Like, mm-hmm. I try to do all this. I'm going to pour it in a measuring cup, right. leave it, close the bottle, and then pour it into a wine glass. Like, I tried all these things. Right. And, of course, nothing. Nothing yeah. worked. Mm-hmm. So, I went to... Um, I also then started noticing that drinking a lot of alcohol really wasn't doing anything anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting, I mean, I, I didn't feel a buzz. I didn't feel, mm-hmm. and it just, I knew it had a, I knew it was becoming a problem, but I was trying to moderate the problem. Mm-hmm. And on December 12th, we went to a wedding on December 11th, December 12th, I woke up with a hangover and I said, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. And from that point on, I've, I went ahead and I have this amazing friend that I met through WW that I swear mm. my sister put in our, put in my path. Right. Um, he's been sober for 37 years wow. and mm. he has been, he has been the person I think that I needed to know that it's okay to not drink in the society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because everything surrounded with it, Craig. I'm thinking yeah, in my yeah. head, I automatically start making excuses like, well, if I go here, they all drink. Mm-hmm. What about when I go to, on, you know, to this beach trip? What mm-hmm. about the lake weekends? What about sitting outside with my husband? Mm-hmm. It just became this thing like, well, how am I supposed to function Right. when yeah. everybody drinks? Right. Mm-hmm. Then it turned to, how am I supposed to function when everybody drinks? Right, right. Because I'm not okay. Yeah. So I, um, I got, I got this app. I went mm-hmm. to some AA meetings, Zoom AA meetings with mm-hmm. my friend. And, um, he has really talk about mindset. He has mm-hmm. really helped me. You're not there yet. You don't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. So I just know that I'm not going to drink today. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. And it really, it really helped me put things in perspective of really staying in the moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, it's. I went on my first vacation. Mm-hmm. 
um, without, you know, all the adults, every single person there is drinking except me. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And you learn how to cope. So everybody yeah. was pouring me cranberry shots, cranberry, <laughs> right. cranberry juice shots, you right, know? Right, yeah. And that fear of everything's going to change, it didn't happen. Right, right. The only thing that changed was I wasn't drinking alcohol. Yeah. But the other, the all the great things that changed mm -hmm. with me being sober has been insane. I have yeah. obsessive compulsive, compulsive disorder. Mm -hmm. That's better. My anxiety decreased. I sleep better. Nice. My skin's mm -hmm. better. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. But it's that taking that step is scary when the, the mm -hmm. you're surround we're surrounded by it. Yeah, yeah, and, and so, yeah. You know, and with that said, yes, we are surrounded by it. Um, you know, what advice could you give? So, for example, me or anyone else out there that is dealing with uh, somebody close to them that is an alcoholic. You know, how, you know, um, how are we supposed to manage that? As you know, you know, how would you, you know, if you if you and I lived in the in the same town and when you hung out, what would you, what advice would you give me to how to how, how to help you deal with your sobriety? If that well, makes if, if, like we're friends and yeah. we're hanging out and you yeah. drink and I don't. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah. You, you, you're my, mm -hmm. you're my friend. Right. You drink, you want to drink that doesn't, it doesn't affect me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, okay. It's like if I have diabetes, mm -hmm. right. And you, I, you know, we're having ice cream mm -hmm. or a dessert. Right. You know, why would I ask you to stop having ice cream? Yeah. Because I have diabetes. Right, right. You know, what about that person who hasn't stopped drinking yet, but you know they have a problem? Um, or, you know, and, and, we, and you, you, you want to do everything in your heart to try to help that person um, cope with their alcoholism. Um, any advice there? Yeah? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have, I have people in my life that, um, you know, that you can tell there's a there's a there's an issue there but mm -hmm. all you could do is protect yourself with your boundaries mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so if if i'm around somebody and it's an issue all i can do is protect myself i could not go to the function i could call it an early night mm -hmm. and i could be honest with the person but one thing i've learned from going to aa meetings and with many other experienced just sober people for for 20 plus years is no one can stop unless they want to mm -hmm. no matter how much we plead no mm -hmm. how, matter how much we say uh, uh you know we're going to end our relationship if this doesn't work nothing will happen mm -hmm. nothing will work unless they want to i just woke up one day and said that was it mm -hmm. now we can assert ourselves in healthy ways we can yeah. have healthy conversations with them when they're sober mm -hmm. um we can be there to support them when they mm -hmm. decide to be sober, but all we can do is protect ourselves mm -hmm. in the situation. Right, right. And, and that's what I've learned. There are certain people that I can only do certain things with. Mm -hmm. True. And other things I can't. Yep, absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, Andrea, we are um, certainly running out of time here, and, and uh, it's it's, it's, it's been it's been an awesome it's been an awesome conversation with you today. And, and you and I joked about you know someday we'll have to do part two, and and you know that's certainly on our radar. We'll definitely do that. But it was it was great to have you, you know, spend some time with uh, with our Mile Eighteen uh, community. Um, and I know what uh, you you've provided some really awesome inspiration and advice and insight today. Um, um, you know, what's some last advice or insight that you can provide the Mile 18 Moment community that uh, you want to leave us with? Oh, let's see. Feel the 18, feel the Mile 18 moments. Feel, feel them. Feel uh -huh. them. In, embrace the suck. Yes. Mm -hmm. Embrace the suck. The mm -hmm. suck, the anxiety, the nervousness. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel those things. Yeah. Those things may feel messy, but also, too, the creative process is messy. Mm -hmm. And I think when we allow ourselves to, if you allow yourselves to feel, mm -hmm. you allow yourself to get creative and then you go ahead and let your light shine. Right. You just let your light shine, but feel, mm -hmm. feel the moments. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. There's awesome. something said with that embrace the suck thing. That is right. really a, a true, a yeah. true term, you know, but I think, um, have those people in your lives. Mm -hmm. Don't, 
talk to them, love them, love yourself first, and then yeah. love everybody else. Like in the words of RuPaul, okay. if you can't love yourself, then how the hell are you going to love somebody else? <laughs> that's awesome. And, and that's a that's a fantastic way to end today's podcast. Uh, a quote by RuPaul. We'll leave it at that. So <laughs> thank that's you, Greg. Aw- that's thank awesome. You so much. Yeah, Andre. Well, thank you again for, for joining us. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we obviously wish you awesome success in all that you do. And I'm looking forward to, to watching your journey. And uh, I, I know that this is a really a great start to a, a long ter- long-term friendship between between us. And, uh, and certainly, again, wish you awesome success in all that you do. So thank you again for joining us today. And can we give uh, your fabulous, amazing wife a shout out for putting us together? Because yep. WW put her and I together and then mm-hmm. she put you and I on each other's paths and she's incredible. And so yeah. are you. And I can't yeah. think enough well thank you yeah my my awesome wife mercedes she's uh she's my best friend my my everything and and uh, as well as my son but she did put us together i'm so blessed and so grateful that she did and that that's pretty awesome so yeah awesome all right andrea we'll take care and uh we look forward to uh to uh uh, again tracking your journey we'll we'll uh, we'll chat soon sounds good see you soon bye To learn a little bit more about me and who I am and the consulting services I provide, I invite you to visit my website at mile18moments.com. Interested in sharing your Mile 18 Moments and inspiring others within our community? I invite you to share those moments on my Instagram page, mile18moments. Do you have that passion to inspire others and share your moments on the Mile 18 Moments podcast? I would love to hear from you. Visit mile18moments.com and the contact me page to get in touch. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Mile 18 Moments podcast. I appreciate it and hope you will join us on this journey of inspiration towards embracing the suck of life and career to reach your finish line. Be sure to subscribe to the Mile 18 Moments podcast to be informed of future episodes and visit mile18moments.com for future updates and inspiring stories. Until next time, keep inspiring so you too can be inspired. The Mile 18 Moments podcast is a production of Mile 18 Moments LLC with production assistance made possible by Anthony Bonet. Creative artwork for Mile 18 Moments is produced by Spencer Gregory of Gregory Graphics. Be sure to check out his work on Instagram at sgregory.graphics. Music heard on the Mile 18 Moments podcast is a production of Shutterstock at shutterstock.com.